This podcast is brought to you by The City Church in Mississauga, Ontario. For more information, please visit thecitychurch.ca. We hope you are encouraged by this message from our lead pastor, Frank Coulter. Good morning again. Let's turn in our Bibles to John chapter 1. I'm going to get there in just a minute. We are finishing up our series that we have called Family Values, and we have been looking at the church and this idea from the scripture that God has a family in the earth, and it is the church, uh, the body of Christ, um, the church, the family of God. These are all sort of synonymous terms, and we have been looking at and discussing the idea of church as a family, that God wants a local body of believers, which we are, uh, one of many around Ontario and Canada, around the world, um, that he wants us to function. One of the ways that he wants us to see ourselves as part of the church is a family. We have on the front doors of our church, we have welcome home, and then the video that we play at the beginning of our service, the end of it says welcome home, and that's how we want church um, to feel for people. We know sometimes we're, when you're new and there's a little bit of differences and you're trying to find your way around and meet new people, it doesn't always feel like home uh, right off the bat. But what we want to do, we want to create an environment where this does feel like family for you. And then the family, it's not a closed family. At any time, we can invite new people into the family of God. So we've been just looking at this idea of church and seeing ourselves as a part of the church. Um, and so we know that each, each of us as an individual, we, if we've said yes to Jesus, we're in God's family. But then God uh, calls us to be part of this extended family called the church. God doesn't want us to live off on our own by ourselves. And I know many people today um, who follow Jesus, you know, they don't, you know, don't go to church and they say, well, I can be uh, spiritual and at home and I don't have to gather. And I, and I understand that sometimes people can find a church they like or they've been heard at church. Um, you know, I've got both hands up. I've grown up in church, been in church literally almost every weekend of my life. I've been heard at church too. That doesn't mean that we have the opportunity to opt out of the family of God, that God calls us all to be part of the family of God. And when we think about being a part of the family of God, we need to see ourselves as contributors to the family, not just the consumer of a church service, that God has called us as uh, growing believers in the family of God, that we would see ourselves as actually bringing something to the table, so to speak, as I'm part of the family, as I grow in the things of God, the same way with your natural family. You know, you have children, and pretty much for a little while, they're really useless. They can't do anything. They can't push a mop. They can't feed themselves. They can't vacuum. But as they grow... Eventually, we train them to do certain things. Why? Because they're part of the family and we expect them to be contributing members of our household. And it's the same way at church. Uh, you know, people come in and there may be babies and they're growing in the things of God. They don't maybe feel comfortable uh, getting involved. Um, but eventually, God is wanting us to see ourselves not just as a consumer of a church service, not just as a consumer of a worship service, not just feed me. I want what I want when I want it. But I see myself as, as coming and contributing to the family of God. And this is how God wants us to think of ourselves. I'm part of the family of God here and the greater family in Ontario and the greater family in Canada and the greater family uh, meeting in churches all across North America and the world. Man, we're part of the family of God, which is so exciting for us. John chapter 1 verse 12 says this, But to all who believed him and accepted him, he gave the right to become 
the children of God. So once again, just this whole, uh, hey, I'm coming into the family of God, children, God is the Father. We see ourselves as part of the family of God. Jesus, when he came, he talked a lot about God as our Father. So we would see ourselves as part of the family of God. He talks about the church as the bride of Christ, that we are children through adoption, that we are children through birth, that we are members of God's household, that we are the assembly of the firstborn. And what we've been trying to look at in this series is we're, we're trying to move past our preferences. You know, if, you, if you've grown up in church at all and, and you have a, a church background or um, some denomination that you could describe, we all have things that feel normal to us at church. Whether it's the type of music that is sung, uh, the architecture, the decorations in a church, dress codes, a thousand and one different things, those things sometimes feel like church to me. So I'm comfortable in all of these things. But we have to move beyond our preferences and see the values in the scripture that God wants for his family. I describe it like this sometimes. You know, how many of you have Christmas traditions at your house? And there's a certain color of decoration that goes on the tree and things that go up on the walls. And then you, you go to someone else's house, maybe on Christmas Eve or Christmas Day, and they don't use any of the same colors you decorate with. And you're like, this isn't Christmas. No, Christmas looks like this. And a lot of times this is what we do with church. All of these exterior things, all of these things that we like and that are preferences to us, sometimes we raise those above the values that we see in the scripture that God would have. And, and God would emphasize. And so that's what we've been discussing in this series. So the first week, we talked about this idea that those of us that call ourselves Christ followers, once we remember and know and realize what the scripture says about our salvation in God, that we should actually be happy people. There should be a joy in the family of God. Not to say that there's not going to be difficulty. Sometimes life is hard and it's difficult and things don't go the way we planned all of the time. But just realizing that we have such a great father and we have such a great savior, Jesus, that we shouldn't be mean, mad, grumpy, angry, judgmental. Can you think of any other words you don't like? Christians. Like I said, I've been, I've been in church my whole life and I've done an informal survey. We've got enough of those. We don't need any more angry, mad, mean Christians. We need joyful Christians. Because if we're going to be part of a family and we're going to be a family that we want more people to come into, we want to be a joyful family. Hey, knowing God is amazing. Knowing God, having a relationship with God is a wonderful thing so that we can all display that together. And then the second week we talked about love. That Jesus, uh, in John chapter 13, Jesus says that he wants his disciples to be known for loving each other. That we would be famous for love. And once again, a lot of times, if you've grown up in a certain denomination, and I've got many in my past, and, you know, we want to emphasize a certain doctrine or a certain worship approach or all these different things. But Jesus wants us to be famous for love. Those of us who name his name and say, yes, I follow Jesus. I am his, I am his disciple. Jesus says, I want that group to be known for loving each other. So it's a challenge for all of us. Part of the family of God that we need to learn to love each other. Now, just like your natural family, it's not always easy to love your family, is it? Your nuclear family. Now, if you're sitting beside them, don't elbow them right now. Like, yeah, he's talking about you. You are hard to love. No, but church is like that too. Sometimes there's people at church and it's just like, 
Lord, I'll love them for your sake. But otherwise, no. And that's what it's like. Anywhere we gather where there's humans, it's difficult sometimes. Why? Because we have all idiosyncrasies and all these different things and all these different preferences. But Jesus says that he wants us to prioritize love for each other. And all of that, once again, provides a certain ethos, a certain way for us to act together as the family of God. And then last week we talked about serving. That Jesus said that he didn't come to be served, that he came to serve. And the greatest would be the servant of all. So this is another attitude that Jesus wants us to adopt. And then that moves us to action. So we inspired a bunch of you uh, to get involved a part of our city team. And like we said last week, we have about 200 people that serve in different places here at the city church. But we had more opportunities. And so if you didn't get a chance last week, because I know there was a big line at the Connect Bar, it's not too late to serve. It's not too late to turn in your blue I'm in card that's there in front of you. And all of those opportunities that I mentioned, you can still get involved serving here at the church. You can turn those in at the Connect Bar and we will get you connected to a great team of people that are serving here every week at the church. Kids and youth and production and worship and ushering and greeters and cafe all the different areas. So we invite you still to be part of our city team if you didn't get your card in last week. All right, let's move on today. And we're going to be focusing on something really important uh, for us before we get to water baptism. And it goes right along with water baptism. That the last thing I want to discuss for us as a church family is that we, the center of everything we do should be Jesus. That we are a Jesus family, that our big emphasis is pointing people and celebrating Jesus, just like we did this morning. We sang about the name is above every name. That Jesus should be the big emphasis of our family. The, the one whose name we claim, the one whose name we attach our eternity to. That we want to be a Jesus-centered, Jesus-focused community. Now, like I said, well, some people are like, duh, um, you know, isn't that kind of what a church is? And I, I would say yes, but it, it's very easy for churches to get focused on a lot of different things. Um, and it's very, it's very easy to get our focus and emphasize things. Um, for example, you know, sometimes you could say, well, you know, I, ju- I just, I, I, I believe in healing, let's say. But we, we want to go beyond just believing in healing and we want to believe uh, in Jesus who heals, and as I was like, well, I believe in forgiveness. Well, forgiveness is a good thing, but we want to attach that to the person of God himself, the person of Jesus, and realize, oh, he is the one that heals, that we need to make it personal, that it's personal in the family of God, that we just don't have faith in principles and in ideas and in doctrine. And, you know, and if I, as the pastor, can delineate a doctrine with, you know, perfect clarity and my oratory is wonderful, you having faith in my oratory doesn't save you. We need to have faith in Jesus. He is the focus of our church. He is the focus of all of our praise. He is the focus of what we want to do and whose name we want to make famous in our city is Jesus. Because what's definitely true is Brent can't save you. And and a perfectly laid out doctrinal statement can't save you. And a denominational background can't save you. And the name of the city church can't save you. And this building 
can't save you. It is Jesus alone. And this is what we want to focus on and bring attention to in our church family. And as we've been discussing all of these things, if we lift up the name of Jesus and focus on Jesus, we will love each other. And if we lift up the name of Jesus and focus on Jesus, we will be joyful, happy people knowing what God has done for us in Christ. And if we lift up and focus on Jesus, we will serve each other and, and serve with love so that we can bring more and more people to Jesus. So we want to have faith in Jesus and we want to be a Jesus-centered community. And when we think about faith... Faith means persuasion or a conviction based on something that you have heard. So sometimes people think, well, you know, people that have faith are just kind of taking a blind step and, you know, they're covering their eyes and we're sort of stepping out and it's sort of based on nothing. But faith, as it's defined in the scripture, is a conviction based on something that you've heard. So that's why we talk about Jesus, because we want people to have faith in Jesus. And that's what we are. We are a family of faith. Faith in who Jesus is. Faith is a relational term. It's all about relationship. Faith in God. Not faith as a principle by itself, but faith in God. Faith in who Jesus is. It's always personal, that we always should personalize the idea and the principle of faith. Let's read here in Galatians chapter 3. Galatians chapter 3. Now, this church or this these group of churches that Paul is writing to in the Galatian region, um, he one of the things that was going on with these churches is that they had accepted Jesus, but then they were trying to go back to the Mosaic law and fulfill the Mosaic law to make themselves righteous. And so Paul is trying to remind them that it is only faith in Jesus that matters. Galatians chapter 3 verse 23 says this. It says, Before the way of faith in Christ was available to us, We were placed under guard by the law. We were kept in protective custody, so to speak, until the way of faith was revealed. Everybody say the way of faith. We see that phrase twice here in that verse. So this idea is that the way to God, the way to have a relationship with God is to have faith in who he is and what he has done for us. Not faith in yourself and your ability to keep the law. Because you can't do it. Everybody has failed except for Jesus. So we can't have faith in our own ability to be religious or to keep all of the moral laws because you have failed and I have failed. But the way that we see described in Scripture is the way of faith. I trust you. All other religion is I trust myself. And what I can do and what I can accomplish to experience enlightenment or maybe one day I can do enough good things and that I can walk into God's presence because I've accomplished all of the laws. That's faith in you. The way of the scripture, the way of Jesus is faith in him. I'm putting my trust in him for now and forever. I'm not going to trust my own ability to keep the law because I can't. Jesus has done it for me though. And so I put my faith in him. This is The way of faith. Verse 24. Let me put it another way, Paul says. The law was our guardian until Christ came. It protected us until we could be made right with God through faith. Relational term. Uh, Not just faith in ideas. Not just faith in salvation as a thing. But faith in God. 
that I, that I put my faith in Jesus and what he has done for me. It's a personal, relational term. Verse 25, and now that the way of faith has come, we no longer need the law as our guardian. For we are all children of God through faith in Christ Jesus. So how do we become the children of God? Through faith in Christ Jesus. That's why we want to make a big deal about Jesus at our church. This is how we have a relationship with God. Me or anyone else. It's not by our, our religious superiority. It is faith in, trust in, persuaded that he is the son of God. I'm putting my faith in him. And all who have been united with Christ in baptism have put on Christ like putting on new clothes. Now, the word baptism actually means to submerge, and it's used different ways in the New Testament. Here we see um, being submerged into the body of Christ. So when I say yes to Jesus, I'm baptized into the family of God. We're going to do water baptism here in a second, which is something else we see and the New Testament. And so that's why we actually have a tank where we fully submerge people because that's what baptism means. So we actually submerge people under the, under the water. But here in this verse, baptism just means baptized, submerged into the family of God. How do we get in the family of God? Through faith in Jesus. Not anything I can do. Not anything that I can accomplish. It's only accepting what God has done on our behalf through Jesus. There is no longer Jew or Gentile, slave or free, male or female, for all, you are all one in Christ Jesus. And now that you belong to Christ, you are the true children of Abraham. You are heirs and God's promise to Abraham belongs to you. So being in the family of God is all this faith idea. I have faith in God. I put my faith in Jesus. The righteous record that I'm expecting at the end of my life before I stand before God, I'm not going to say, hey, you know, I was pretty good. You know, I was a pastor in Mississauga and, you know, I married an amazing American wife who gave me two children. I did pretty well for myself. God, you're going to let me in, right? And I'm certainly not going to do that. I'm going to say, Jesus, I claim what Jesus did for me. I name the name of Jesus. I'm not coming in in my own pride and my own ability to do right all the time. I'm coming because Jesus has done it for me. And I'm in the family of God. And this is how we need to operate as a family. And this is how we need to see ourselves as a group, as a family, that Jesus is the one we emphasize. Jesus is the one who we put before people. When somebody's struggling and going through something, what should our first response be? Well, let's pray in the name of Jesus. Because Jesus has provided something for you on the cross. Paul said, I, I don't want to know anything among you except Jesus and him crucified. And so that's always our starting place for all of our issues. Marriage issues, relationship issues, health issues, financial issues, wisdom issues, direction issues. Jesus will help us because God has done something for us because of Jesus. So we are a Jesus group family. Let's read about a story about a group of people here in Luke chapter 5. Verse 17 says this. On one of those days, as he was teaching, Pharisees and teachers of the law were sitting there. Who had come from every village of Galilee and Judea and from Jerusalem. And the power of the Lord was with him to heal. And behold, some men were bringing on a bed a man who was paralyzed. 
And they were seeking to bring him in and lay him before Jesus. So we know from another another, uh, iteration of this story in the Gospels that there was four. So there was four friends and one sick friend. And what did they want to do with their friend? They wanted to get him before Jesus. They wanted to get him to Jesus. That's our story. That's what we do. Children, we want people, we want children, as we teach children and disciple them, we want them to know about Jesus. We want them to know Jesus is their best friend. We teach young people. What do we want them to know? We want them to know the gospel message that Jesus is the one that's going to make the difference in their lives. When we teach adults, we want to talk about the name of Jesus because he is the only one that can save us. He is the only one by which that we get into the family of God, not of our own selves, not on our own ability, not the things that we can do or produce. It's only Jesus. So how do we act when we're together? What are we going to do? We've got four friends and then we've got one friend who's struggling. What should church be like? Let's get them to Jesus. You're going through a hard time going through a difficult time, you're struggling with this, you're struggling with that, you're struggling with addiction, you've got this issue, hey, you know what? I'm going to take you before Jesus. And the good news is that Jesus isn't just stuck in one locale, that he is with us by his spirit everywhere we go. So we can pray and talk to God. And when someone is struggling with something, we as a church family, we should think, I have to get them to Jesus. And what's the end of the story? We know the end of the story that this person got healed. Why? Because Jesus made the difference. And this is how we need to think about the family of God. Jesus makes the difference. It's all about Jesus. That he is the center of what we do. He is the center of our worship. He is the center of our preaching. He is the center of our serving. He is the center of our giving. All of what we do is because of Jesus. 1 Corinthians, sorry, 2 Corinthians chapter 5. I did a seven-week series one time on Jesus. I'll don't, I won't preach all that this morning, don't worry. We're almost done. This is the last portion of Scripture before we do baptism. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 11 says this. For the love of Christ controls us because we have concluded this, that one has died for all, talking about Jesus. Therefore, all have died. And he died for all. And those who live might no longer live for themselves, but for him who for their sake died and was raised. From now on, therefore, we regard no one according to the flesh. We don't look at someone's exterior and think, I like them or I don't like them based on something on the outside. Or I put them in a category. I would say, oh, they're beyond help or they're beyond hope. We don't do that anymore. <clears throat> Even though once we regarded Christ according to the flesh, we regard him thus no longer. Listen, verse 17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, everybody say in Christ. He is a new creation in Christ, not in my tradition, not in my religion, not in our worship style, not in the name of our church. In Christ. Anyone in Christ is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. That's why no one 
is beyond hope because Jesus has done something for all of us. So we don't look at anybody, even if they do a bunch of stuff that we don't like. We know that Jesus has done something for them. They just don't know about it yet, or they haven't heard about it yet, or they haven't heard a good version of it yet. Or they haven't been a part of a community yet that actually loves them. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. All this is from God. Everybody say, from God. And not from me. Not from your past. Not from your denomination. Not from your favorite doctrine or your favorite preacher. It is from God who, through Christ, reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself not counting their trespasses against them and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Us who? Us, the family of God. This is the story that God is not holding your sins against you anymore, that God has done something for you in Christ. And we keep telling the story about Jesus. Whosoever will can come. That is the story of the scripture that God has made provision And the Holy Spirit is moving on people's lives and drawing them to himself. And we just need to keep telling the story about Jesus, that Jesus has done it. Jesus has done it for you. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ. God making his appeal through us. God making his appeal through us, the family of God. God's making an appeal, not just through me this morning, but through the church, through the family of God, when we gather together. And we are so excited that God has done something for us. We gather together and we love each other and we serve each other. We gather together and remember that if it wasn't for Jesus, none of this would matter. For our sake, he made him to be sin who knew no sin so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. This is why we make a big deal about Jesus. The name of Jesus is the name we need to lift up. The name of Jesus is the name we proclaim. The name of Jesus is the name in which we pray. The name of Jesus is the name in which we serve and give and love because he has done something for us. Let's just pray this morning. God, we are so thankful for Jesus today. We are so thankful, Lord, for what you have done for us through Christ. And we celebrate him this morning and lift him up. God, we want to be a Jesus-centered family that you have provided everything that we need through Christ. And we thank you for that this morning. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. All right, we are going to dismiss all of our water baptism candidates. You guys, you can head backstage and get ready to be baptized. So let's give them a hand as they go.
We already baptized five people in the first service, which was super exciting. Something great. Now, let me just read to you a, a verse of scripture about water baptism here in Matthew chapter 28. It says in verse 18, Jesus came and told his disciples, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, which we will do here in a second. <clears throat> Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you. And be sure of this, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. So maybe if you're new or you're visiting, you're not sure what water baptism is all about. Let me just explain it to you real quick. What we're doing this morning is that we are celebrating exactly what I talked about this morning. People who have already put their faith in Jesus. And what they're doing is they are going public with their faith. They are telling the story that they have already identified with Christ. And what we do when we water baptize them is that we are telling that story. It's all imagery. That when you go under the water, you are saying that you have died with Christ, that your sins are washed away. And when you come up out of the water, you are telling the story that you are risen to new life in Christ. There's nothing special about our water this morning. It's not holy water. It's Mississauga tap. <laughs> but the significance in the baptism is all about the imagery. The imagery, it says something natural we do that tells a story of a spiritual truth. When we did communion last week, it's the same thing. Spiritual truth that Jesus has died on the cross. His body was broken for us. His blood was shed for us. So we celebrate with communion. Water baptism is all about people who have already put their faith in Jesus. Baptism is not saving them. They have already received salvation. They have already said yes to Jesus. And they are going public today. And they are telling you. And so what we're doing is that we are celebrating faith in Jesus today. Now we went to the Blue Jay game. On Friday night, and it was like celebration because they won two games in a row. It hasn't been a lot of that this year for the Jays. But when the Jays scored a run, we celebrated and clapped. That's just a baseball game. This is somebody whose eternity has been changed forever. This is somebody who has put their faith in Jesus. And so we are going to celebrate. Let's do a practice run when we celebrate. That's right. This is our, our family that is getting baptized this morning. So if you guys Thanks are ready, for listening. come on If out. you need prayer or would like to share how this message has impacted you, please email info at thecitychurch.ca.